Welcome to the 624. This week on the podcast, we've got algae that goes multicellular. We'll be discussing the biblical reasons for six literal days. And finally, we'll be talking about Creation Ministries International and the work that they do. Let's get started. Welcome to the 624, the weekly podcast of Central Texas Creation Ministries. Taking a stand on God's Word and trusting it from the very first verse. Join us as we look at creation and the Bible to understand the world around us. All right. Well, welcome to the 624. I appreciate you guys hanging out with me today. We are going to get into our first segment, of course, evolution in the news. Uh, This week, scientists have witnessed a single-celled algae evolve into a multicellular organism. Now, as you guys know, this whole segment is designed to help you understand that you don't have to be worried about science that usually these articles are a big dog with a big bark and a little bite. Now, what they actually have witnessed here is nothing close to what that that headline actually says. Uh, This is great. The article starts out, Most of us know that at some point in our evolutionary history, around 600 million years ago, single-celled organisms evolved into more complex multicellular life. It's amazing how we just all know that. Never seen it happen before, have no proof of it, no evidence, and yet most of us know that at some point in our evolutionary history, right, okay? So we're starting off good, right? So what they're basically telling you is that we watched a single-cell algae. Now, I'm not going to say the name of it because it's a big scientific term that you wouldn't understand it even if I could say it right. Uh, But what they did was they had a whole bunch of single-celled algae, green algae, and they introduced a predator, which is a paramecium that eats the algae. Their theory was that, hey, maybe we evolved from single-cell to multicellular uh, life because of predators. So we got together and got bigger and stronger based on multi-cells because of a predator. Something was eating us. Now, here's the kicker. We've seen colonization of algae and other organisms before. In other words, you have a whole bunch of them sitting there. A predator comes in and they start to colonize. They they kind of move together and hang out together. We've seen this happen before. This is not that big of a deal. It has nothing to do with being multicellular. It's actually a whole bunch of single cells hanging out because there's safety in numbers. We do the same thing as humans. There's safety in numbers, right? But this is what they're talking about. This is the great, wonderful scientific experiment that they ran. They put paramecium in there. The green algae that stayed single-celled got together and colonized. Now, there was some kind of uh, structure that they that they were sticking to. They started sticking together a little bit. But it wasn't like that became like the skin or anything like that. Uh, when they When they multiplied, they all multiplied at different rates at different times. They would come away from each other in order to replicate sometimes. Uh, When they replicated, some of them would stay with the colony. Others would go off on their own. And so there was no real multicellular animal that evolved out of this. It was just simply a bunch of single-celled algae hanging out together. The problem is, is that even if you could get them to somehow come together, you've got a lot of things to overcome. Let me give you two. Number one, 
all these algae, their nature is to replicate as much as they can. This is their nature. They keep replicating as much as they can. This is kind of, um, this is their MO, we'll say. If you create a multicellular organism that is going to have a skin around it or some kind of barrier around it, and they're going to work together, you somehow have to have a, a design or some kind of intelligence to be able to tell that cell, stop replicating like that. Okay, We now need you to replicate in unison and in conjunction with this multicellular being that you're now with. Okay, that has never happened. We've never seen this happen. We don't understand how it could happen. All right, so real problem there. The other real problem that you have is that even if you could get single cell algae together, they start sticking together, everything's looking cool, but then you still have to get them to specialize. You've got to have some kind of design or some kind of intelligence to be able to tell them, hey, you cells over here, you're going to do this job. Hey, you cells over there, you're going to do this job. You've got to specialize those cells in order to work in harmony to make a multicellular organism. Never happened. We've never seen it happen. We can't make it happen. These are real problems. And again, this article, like every other article I've brought up and every other one we read, is a dog with a big bite and no bark. No, no, it's a, it's a dog with a big bark and no bite. Uh, you don't have to be worried about science. You don't have to be worried about evolution. Uh, it just doesn't work. Evolution doesn't have any evidence. The other thing is this. Even if you could, uh, say, go from a single-cell organism to a multicellular organism, remember, you've got to have information in the genome to be able to do it. You've got to add information into that genome. Every time we study mutations, we have never found a gain of information in the genome. It's always a loss of information or a degradation of the information. So the deck was stacked against evolution. It was stacked against this article. It was stacked against the experiment in the very beginning. And we come away understanding there is no good evidence for evolution. Every time we look at the observable evidence, it points to creation every single time. Well, that's all the time I have for evolution in the news. Let's get to our main segment. All right, we are here on the main segment for the 624. We're going to be talking about the biblical reasons for six literal days of creation. Now, we'll do it in three parts. Uh, today, we'll do the positive argument for six literal days. And what I mean by that is we are going to give the reasons why we believe it's six literal days. We're not going to worry about the objections to it or anything like that. And then next week, we'll talk about answering old earth objections. Uh, this was kind of inspired by a video I saw a while back. Uh, not the whole topic, but but this particular uh, podcast is kind of inspired by, um, oh my goodness, Hugh Ross. I watched a video on YouTube with Hugh Ross and Ken Ham and Ray Comfort and Eric Hoven. And there was two other guys. <laughs> I can't think of their names, but I'll tell you all about them next next week when we talk about answering old earth objections because Hugh Ross said a, cute, a couple of things that I just thought that doesn't even make sense. You can't say that. 
Uh, so we'll talk about those next week. Now, the third week, we'll talk about the theological disaster of compromising on Genesis. Because when you try and take uh, a presupposition of millions of years, you take a man's opinion and you try and stuff it into the six days of creation, you wind up with a complete disaster. Okay, your theology goes down the tubes. So we're going to talk about that in the third week. So for this time, we're going to talk about that positive argument for six days of creation. Now, as we get started today, I want to cover two kind of overarching themes or two big picture things that I think you really should think about when you ask yourself, is this literally six 24-hour periods? The first one is, God is a communicative God. In other words, he wants to communicate. He wants to tell us about himself and about ourselves. Why in the world would he write something that was cryptic? I don't think he would. He's not, this is Gnosticism. To You have to know the secret in order to really understand the truth. Okay, That's not what the Bible is all about. And so when you read Genesis chapter 1... There is nobody that walks away with millions of years. Nobody. You can bring in an elementary school kid and have them read chapter 1, and every single time they're going to go six days. How long did it take God to create? Six days. No one walks away with that, without, excuse me, no one walks away with that answer unless they started with an assumption, that presupposition of millions of years, and they were trying to stuff man's opinion into the six days of creation. That's the only way you wind up with that answer, because you have to go in there and start manipulating things. You have to redefine words. You have to go out and find little nuances and, and cryptic answers throughout the rest of the Bible in order to tell you that it really is millions of years or long periods of time. And so we really should, just looking at a big picture, it tells us that it's six literal days. Now, the other thing that I would say, um, let me put it to you this way. If all the Hebrew scholars in the world got together, or I'll say the vast majority of them got together, and they all said, look, you guys don't know Jack about Hebrew. You don't know anything. Uh, this means long periods of time. This means millions of years. Now we've got an argument that we're going to have to think about. We've got something to chew on, but they don't do that. The vast majority of scholars, whether they believe it's six literal days or millions of years, they tell you that the language, that the text tells us it's six literal days. So those are two big picture things that right off the bat tell us it's six literal days. But let's go to the verses themselves. Now, you can open up a Bible. You can pop open an app. We're not really going to be reading chapter 1. We're going to just be talking about one sentence that's repeated over and over and over again. And, of course, that sentence is, And the evening and the morning were the first day. Now, of course, it goes on in the subsequent ones. And the evening and the morning were the second day. And the evening and the morning were the third day. Uh, you get to see the pattern there. So, after each day, it says, And the evening and the morning were that day. Now, the big picture on this is God uses very specific phrasing and very specific words and then repeats it over and over and over again. Why would he do that? Because it's important and it's key to our, to our understanding of this. 
You think about it. I did that in the first podcast. You can go back and listen to it. Um, when I was talking about uh, the sanctity of life and gender and marriage, what did I say? I kept telling you, uh, God designed it in the beginning and he defined it in Genesis. And I used those specific words. God designed it in the beginning and he defined it in Genesis, telling you that he's the one who made us. He's the one who gets to define us. And that's why Genesis is so important because that's where he defines everything. That's where he tells us that we're made in his image. That's where he tells us he made us male and female. That's where he told us marriage is when a man leaves his parents and goes and clings to a woman and they become one. Okay, that's why it's so it was so important to repeat it. God's doing the same thing here. Um, he said he says two very important things I want to talk about. The first one is obviously he uses the word day yom. Yom is the Hebrew word. Everybody knows that. Okay, not everybody, but uh, a lot of people who have heard of this uh, the six day argument have heard. Oh, yes, he uses the word yom. It means day, but it can mean something else as well. But we'll get to that next week. So he does use the word day, yom. But here's what he does. He does two things that are important. Number one, he gives a number with the day. So he says first day, second day, third day. This is key. Because any other time in the Bible where God puts a number with day, we always recognize it as a literal day, a literal 24-hour period. Everywhere else. Now, obviously, this is this should tell you something because in Genesis, that is the only place that we argue about Yom. We don't argue about Yom in any other verse of the Bible. It's only there in Genesis. Why? Because it really is important. It means something. Because if the old earther allows us to say that Yom literally means day, then they have to admit it's a six-day creation. And they can't do that because they need the millions of years. Now, uh, now of course, for any old earth, old earthers, I, I, maybe I misspoke that. Not that you need the millions of years, but you believe that there are millions of years. Now, evolutionists need the millions of years. In order to make evolution work, you've got to have millions of years. And if you don't have them, you're in real trouble. And so that's why it's so important. The second thing that God does, though, is he defines the word day in the same sentence. As a matter of fact, he puts the definition before the word. He says, and the evening and the morning were the first day. So he defines day as the evening and the morning. So how in the world can you come out and say, oh yeah, God meant that this was like a really long period of time when he says that the day, the word day, yom, is defined by evening and morning. So you've got to redefine at least three words in that sentence now if you want to say that it's an old earth, if you want to say it's millions of years. This is a real problem. God uses very specific wording, very specific phrasing, and he repeats it over and over again. And we need to be listening to it because it is key. It's obvious. The other thing, the other point is this. Uh, I'll, I'll give you one last big picture thing because I just have to do it. God didn't have to tell us the number of days. You think about it. He could have just said, hey, uh, you know, in the beginning of time, 
through millions of years, I made the land appear and created animals in each each in the, of their own kind. I filled the seas with creatures, all this stuff. And it would have been fine. We would have understood it. Uh, he could have explained that it was took millions of years. There was no need to do the evening and the morning were the first day, evening and the morning were the second day. There was no need to do that. But it was obvious that God was being very specific and that there was a reason he was being very specific. And I think, number one, it means that he really did create in six literal days. And then this next verse that we're going to talk about kind of ties into this because I think they corroborate each other's story or each other's uh, thought. So let's take a look at Exodus 20. It's verses 8 through 11. Now, Exodus 28 through 11 is actually part of the Ten Commandments. Again, you can turn in your Bible to Exodus 28 and 11, uh, or you can pop open your app if you want to. We will, I will actually read this to you, uh, and then we'll talk about it for just a second. This is a pretty simple one. It's pretty straightforward, but I think it speaks volumes to the point. So it starts here in verse 8. It says, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work, you, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your cattle, nor your stranger who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Now, in this verse, God tells us very specifically for in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth. Okay? Now, he goes on to say the sea and all that is in it. But he's very specific to say in six days. And then he rested on the seventh. So he is making a direct correlation, a direct cor uh, connection to us working six days and resting the seventh. And to him creating six days and, working on the, and resting on the seventh. So he's making that direct correlation between the day and the day. The six days of creation and the six-day work week. And so this is another reason why it is so obvious that God created in six literal days. I really do feel like most people who come up with millions of years, it is, and I'm going to say this, and I'm probably going to get myself in trouble, but I believe it's a lack of faith in God. Because you are looking at man's opinion, this millions of years, you're looking at man's opinion, and you're letting that fear of being called a, a crazy Christian, being told that you're insane, that there's no way that could happen, you're allowing that fear to override your faith in God. Now, don't get me wrong. This is something we all have to work through. It's something that we all have to trust. that The Holy Spirit's going to give us the words. It's going to, He's going to help us with this. But we need to make sure our faith is not overridden by our fear. Well, that's all the time I have for this segment. Next week, we'll get to answering objections of the old earthers. Okay, uh, But for right now, let's get to our third and final segment. All right, here we are wrapping it up at the end of the 624. Wanted to get into some current events uh, but I want to introduce you to, not, maybe not introduce you to, but make you aware of, if you don't already know, about Creation Ministries International. They are a ministry that has a great website, creation.com. They have over 10,000 articles on that website that any topic that you think of, 
you know, you have any question, you think, oh, where do I find this? Creation.com. Type it in the search bar. Usually there's two, three, four articles on that topic. Great free resource. Of course, they have a store. They employ PhDs. They do books. They do DVDs you can purchase. Uh, but here's a couple of events that they're having uh, in the next few weeks that I wanted to make you aware of. And the idea is that I want to help you understand where the events are happening and get you interested in finding out if these aren't in your area, you can go to their website, you can go to other creation ministry websites and find out what's happening in your area. Become aware of these things and get trained, get get this teaching uh, so that, number one, you can be emboldened, and number two, you can share this information with others. So CMI, if you talk about the weekend of March 15th through the 17th, uh, let's see here. They're going to be in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, Kernersville, North Carolina, Albemarle, I don't know how to say this, Albemarle, North Carolina, Tuxedo Park, New York, Goshen, New York. On the 22nd through the 24th of March, they're going to be in Oakhurst, California, Fresno, California, Woodlock, Virginia, Belton, South Carolina, Chattanooga, Tennessee, Bakersville, North Carolina, and then the weekend of the 29th through the 31st, they're going to be in Arnold, Missouri, Chesapeake, Virginia, St. Louis, Missouri, and Elizabeth City, North Carolina. Those are all events that they're having this month that they're going to be at. If you're in one of these areas, check out uh, creation.com, go to the events section, put in your zip code, and they can tell you more. It'll tell you more about these events. But I want to just encourage you, check out creation.com and just look for these kinds of events so that you can get this teaching, you can get involved with other people who are interested in creation in your area, whether that looks like finding out who goes to your church that's interested in it, if it's meetups somewhere, having coffee or whatever, but become aware of the things that are happening and get involved with people when it comes to creation. So that's all the time I have for this week, but I hope you guys have enjoyed the podcast. I hope you'll join us for the next one. Uh, as well, please subscribe. Give me your comments. Let me know what you like, what you don't like about it. But until then, I pray that God blesses you with wisdom to know him and courage to share him. Thank you for listening to The 624, the weekly podcast of Central Texas Creation Ministries. Join us again next time as we look at creation and the Bible to understand the world around us. To learn more, visit our website at www.centraltexascreation.com.